Devils host the Twins. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's a Tuesday on the Miller and Condon radio program. Glad you're with us as we talk sports with you for the next couple of hours. I'll say the Cubs fell last night, Trent Condon. That was ugly. Six errors. We'll get into that coming up in the first segment. I'm certain of that. Uh, Here's the program lineup today. We are going to speak with Chris Level in about 20 minutes or thereabouts. Chris Level is the radio analyst for Texas Tech, both football and men's basketball. He's Eric Heft. He's been on the program essentially, oh, I don't know, maybe... Both games before the Iowa State-Texas Tech basketball this year. He previews Iowa State-Texas Tech football with us, and we're grateful that he's going to find a few minutes, because I'm guessing he's had a, had a lot of requests to do some mm-hmm. radio hits from around the country. It's Texas Tech, one of four teams that will make their way to Minneapolis this weekend. Chris Level coming up here in about 20 minutes. We're going to talk some hockey. Joe O'Donnell, the KXNO's hockey team, winding down their regular season. We'll get an update playoff-wise from Joe O'Donnell and what remains, what work needs to be done uh, still remains uh, as the Wilds still have a couple of weeks left in their regular season and then in the 11 o'clock hour Trent and I will take our first look at the oh freshly released NFL win totals that came out over the weekend we'll take a look at the local teams where the local teams are being projected if you're in the desert at one of the CG technology properties you could actually bet these as of Sunday we'll take a look at some of those some of the um, the marquee teams as well we'll do that 11 and Zuba Mahente will slide on in here at 1120 uh, he is hosting the NIT coverage tonight on ESPN Wichita State Lipscomb early and then a big 12 tilt TCU and maybe Jamie Dixon's final opportunity to coach that team is he's being rumored at UCLA mm-hmm. and uh, Texas of course with Shaka Smart so Texas TCU two teams were very familiar tonight will you watch I think I will Royals yeah. twins though that that's number one okay it'll be a flip back and forth that'll in between commercials that's when I'll get over there and if it's compelling and tight mm-hmm. I'll stay there me so you haven't decided if you're going to actually Dabble at the game, uh, betting wise. Well, I will. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know what direction I'm heading right now. But yeah, I will. All it's right. basketball. It is indeed. And there's only what? There's three, five, four, five, six games left. If you include the three NITs and the three, we'll see. Well, this don't weekend. forget about the CBI and the CIT. Well, I did forget it last night. I completely forgot all DePaul, about it. DePaul, South right. Florida. I mean, get did, your tickets. Was it? Uh, was it compelling? I didn't. I, did, no. I didn't get there. I couldn't pull the trigger on that one. Well, I, I know you pulled. Yeah, not that big um, of a problem. Well, you do because you're betting women's basketball. But you were on the right side last I night. Was. You said this early in the show yesterday. The number was fourteen and a half. You said. Uh, but that's not a good number. No. Uh, Baylor's going to crush Iowa is essentially what you said. You were right. What, they win by 30? Yeah. Uh, or thereabouts. Um, look, I watched maybe five minutes of actual mm-hmm. game time. Sure. Um, I couldn't get into it. I don't know any of the players, right? And right. And it wasn't much of a game competitively. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baylor just looked as they were much better. Uh, the the takeaway from it, it came after the game, was watching Rob Howe's video that, you know, Tens of thousands of people have now watched the uh, the press conference following the game. And you just played the soundbite from Megan Gustafson, who was very emotional after the game. Why wouldn't she? But, you know, thank you to Iowa for choosing me. Oh, I mean, talk about a humble uh, individual. 
that was to me striking, Trent. Thank you for this. Is a, this is a, correct me if I'm wrong? Mm-hmm. The most decorated uh, women's basketball player ever to set foot in Iowa City, certainly to wear the uh, uh, the Hawkeye uniform, right? Yes, uh, All American. ESPN.com had her as the National Player of the Year. I, I, I mean, heard, is there is there a big gap between the first and the second best? I would go back to Tony Foster, who was the best player on the team that went to the Final Four, the '93 team that had the longest run before this year. That would be the other one, but I I don't even remember. I don't think she was a first team All American, best player in a really good team. So mm-hmm. maybe, but in terms of accomplishment, in that and Iowa, and and I was shocked when I heard this, and I don't I don't have it accredited. I haven't researched it myself, but somebody told me this. I think it was uh, over the weekend that Iowa men's or women's had never had a first team All American, AP first team wow. All American. And I was thinking Ronnie Lester. Well, you yeah. think of that year, his senior year that they went to the Final Four. He was hurt. He missed a big portion that season, so he probably wasn't first-team All-American. Mm-hmm. B.J. Armstrong, never. Roy Marble, never. Mm-hmm. E.C. Earl, not first-team. You go through the, the greats and then going back in the day, and I don't know when the AP poll began. You get into you know downtown Freddie Brown and J.J. and those kind of guys. I don't know how far back it goes, but regardless, and that's, that's almost shocking, right? That's saying something, Trent. Uh, that's saying something. And uh, look, Baylor was just... They're just a lot better. They're just a lot better. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, they, there, there's not a whole lot of breakdown here. There, there's not, you know, if I would just. So did you stay with this, it till the end? I did. You yeah. really did. Good yep. for you. Did my podcast with the guys at Hawkeye Heaven last night. We did it right afterwards. So uh-huh. we're there watching the game and, and stuck it out all the way to the end. Baylor is incredible. I mean, it's not just that they have a six seven girl inside who she's huge. I mean, six seven mm-hmm. and blocking shots. Mm-hmm. But then they got another six four girl in there too who. In fact, was the better player last night for big portions of that game. It wasn't a game where you know if I would just could have hit a couple more shots, or, or if they could have got the ball inside to Gustafson and maybe got Brown in foul trouble. Well, then they just throw another six four girl at her, and it's fine. It's just there wasn't a realistic path for Iowa to even be in that game in the fourth quarter. It just wasn't. They're yeah. a lot better, uh, and and they weren't. So um, Baylor moves on, and Iowa uh, of ends the ends the run. And and here's that that clip again for Mega Gustafson for people that missed it. It is. It's, it's just a you just listen gr- to it. It comes through your radio transit. Yeah. You know, God has just blessed me with an amazing ability to play basketball. And I'm so, so blessed and thankful that University of Iowa chose me and I chose them to play for them. Jeez. It's great. It, yeah. it, it, it got me last night. Yeah, I know. It's good. I was right cutting now. up That's the amazing. audio today. It, it yeah. got me too. It, yeah. It's. Thankful that, that Iowa chose me, I'll yes, say. Yes. <laughs> I think it probably goes both I ways. I think Lisa Bluter would like yeah. to take three or four Mega Gustafsons yeah. every year. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, so uh, let's stay on the basketball, then we'll get into the baseball, because the Cubs were just a complete disaster in the field last night, and some of their big names um, just uh, kicking the ball around. But that in a second. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker has, you know, he put out that statement, it sure seems like the, the door is closed, you know, yep. he's uh, moved on from one chapter. Um, as many people have said, when was the last time you read a book? But you went, and if you, you know, when you go back and you actually read the chapter you just finished, when you pick up the book again, you don't. Uh, that chapter's over and you go back, you go forward in the book, not backwards in the book. I know he's got the opportunity to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can go through the process. He can put himself in the, um, if he gets invited to the, to the combine, he can actually hire an agent as long as the agent doesn't, uh, there's no financial compensation, uh, coming to Horton Tucker or any family member. If he's not drafted, he can return to college. Trent, here's the thing with Taylor Horton Tucker. I don't think he's an NBA player, but let me say this. Let me caveat this. He's 18 years old. Yes. And he'll be 18 years old when the NBA season starts in late October. 
I mean, he is a young, young kid still. He's a kid. He's 18 years old. And if he's, you know, on mocks and he gets the, yeah, you're going to be late in the first round, you absolutely go. They are going to have to pay Taylor Horton Tucker to develop. Get paid. He's not going to play in the NBA next year, but he's going to play somewhere and he's going to collect that first round. If he is, guaranteed money in the Absolutely. first round. You go every single day. Is he ready now? Of course not. He's 18. He's not plateaued. And if you watched him just strictly as a basketball player, and you would say, boy, first round? What, what? But flashes, though. There are those flashes. He is, though he's 6'4", six, 6'5". He's got the wingspan uh-huh. to go along with it. He has, I think, a shot that can develop very well. He has athleticism. Some nights, Trent, he's had it going on. You mm-hmm. go back to Kansas City. What game was it? The K-State game? One of the games um, late in the season, he just couldn't miss from three. And in a player like this, and now you go from a young kid, still a lot of developmental phase to his game, retooling his body, getting stronger, and maybe losing a little bit of the extra that mm-hmm. is there, those kind of yep. things. This is now his full-time job. There's no, you're not going to econ class. Right. You don't have to go and go to a wellness program, nothing like that. What you have to do is you play basketball and you're getting up your 300, 400, 500 shots a day. And you're doing it with a guy that is dedicated to that. Watch an NBA game and look back behind the bench, not just the assistant coaches that you see, but back on the other side of things. Mm-hmm. And you will see a multitude of coaches. And those are guys that are strictly working on whatever it may be. Yeah. And it might be that jump shot, or it might be rebounding, or it might be the defensive assistant, whatever it is, that is now his career. That is his job, and with all the upside that is there, somebody's going to take a chance. And and when he gets that assurance, and I'm sure he will from somebody late in the first round. That if you're there at 26 or 24 or whatever, your team drafting late in the first round, if they give him that wink and the nod and the promise. Mm -hmm. But what if they don't? So what if he does fall to the second round? And we think he's going to get drafted based on the uh, potential uh, uh, itself. Mm -hmm. But if you are a second rounder, what do you go? Where do you do there? Are you better developing? You know, not getting the big money that he would as a first as a guarantor, right? Um, again, We're I guess it, it comes right back to, to how, how much do you like school? Yeah. Now, guys, that he's not going to graduate. I don't think he's good. If he comes back, he's coming back for one year. You know, PJ Washington was one of those guys that we saw Perfect dominate example. with Kentucky. Perfect example. He was a fringy late yep. first, maybe second round pick. No assurances. Yep. Came back. Mm-hmm. That guy's going in the top fifteen. Yes, right? he is. Maybe top 10. And right. So there's that side. But there's the other side, the guys that come back and they don't develop or they don't do the parts of their game that the NBA said, you need to work on this, and it doesn't come around. And now you're a year older. And some of that upside that you once thought you had isn't quite there. And people can pick nits about your game. Yeah. And a lot of you look at efficiency numbers offensively. Taylor Horton Tucker is a bit of a chucker. <laughs> I mean, not. Efficiency field goal percentage is down. He's that kind of player, and because of that, well, is this a guy that we really we think we can develop? Is he just a guy that's going to get up shots and that's all he can do? That's what happens also on the other side of it for coming back. There, there's two sides to every coin. I think he's going to get that assurance, though. I don't think he comes back regardless. I, I, think, I don't think he I think does he's as either. good as gone. I think so, too, and I think the press release, when I saw it, there wasn't really a lot of... You know, can you interpret it this way? He closed the chapter. He's on to the next chapter is what he said. I'm not making this up. That's what we said. Much different than what we saw year ago with Lindell Wiggins. Yes, there there was some ambiguity there. Mm-hmm. There's not here. No. So Lard's gone. Yes. Horton Tucker, we think, is probably going to be gone. Lindell Wiggington came back for one more year so he could be gone. Um, 
Halliburton's not going anywhere. Right. Jacobson, Condit, Halliburton. Um, Shayok and Tally have graduated. Solomon uh, Weiler-Babb is gone. Solomon Young comes back. All of a sudden, this team that we thought had the, you know, yeah, they're going to lose some guys. And mm-hmm. uh, their leading scorer, Mariel Shayok, one of the better players in the All-Big 12 Conference, first team this year. Yeah, you got to replace him. All of a sudden now, Trent, there's this is a team that's, um, yeah, is it in transition? Terrence Lewis, is he coming back? Well, that's another one. I don't think so, but maybe does this open the door for him? I'm wondering, right? Because yeah. it sure looked like, I mean, he was as good as gone. And, and the funny thing is now the way that they're currently constructed, and you look at the recruiting class coming in, they had the kid from Colorado State, Prentice yep, Nixon, Nixon, who yep. sat out, mm-hmm. combo guard. But the construction of this team is... A team that should probably be playing two bigs together. Yeah. <laughs> well, they got two. I mean, there's, there's yeah. two left. They, they, they can play Condit and Jacobson, and I hope they do. And then you throw a healthy Solomon Young back in there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's three bigs that you can Nixon rotate Nixon on through. the floor? Do you keep Wiggington? Uh, Halliburton's got to play for sure. Yes, yeah. And, and um, he'll be, I mean, we saw him play, what, 36 minutes a game yeah, for this sure. season. Now he's probably going to play 40. Yeah, he might. He'll be out there all the time. It's interesting, the construction Who are we missing? Are we missing anybody? Because I don't know enough about the incoming recruiting class. You know, they get the 6'9 kid from Florida I know was a top 100 player. Mm-hmm. He's somebody I think... And, and Griffin didn't play a ton this year. He didn't. That, that's a good name yep. because... Remember, there was a lot of excitement about him yeah. and about what he was going to be. Halliburton, of the four, was the least highly thought of, I think. Yeah. I, I mean, it was totally. Horton Tucker, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, he was he was right on the top of that class. I was like, you know, go back. But, yeah, Griffin's Griffin's one of those guys. So the, they, they got some... And the recruiting class, the uh, the guard coming in, Trey Jackson, I'm 24-7, has him ranked in the 200s. Okay. So we're not talking about a, a guy, at least on the surface, mm-hmm. you'd think be Who an impact guy. Who did they beat for him, do you know? Uh, let me click on his profile. South Carolina kid, Buffalo, Coastal Carolina, Florida Gulf coach, and Georgia Southern. So Power 5 schools not existing. Not part of that one. The other kid, though, and, and a guy that also isn't ranked very highly by 24-7, but remember the Leech kid? He was the one that had some yeah. big time offers when he was like a freshman and sophomore, and then had a couple of injuries. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're talking the Kentuckys of the world were were interested oh, really? in this kid early. Had the injuries; those fell off the table, uh-huh. and then Iowa swooped, Iowa State swooped in and was able to get him. So that's one to keep There's an some eye pedigree on. Pedigree there, though. Yes, yeah. Mercedes Leach is the kid's name. So you know, next time we get mm-hmm. Alex Halstead on, which is hopefully tomorrow, we'll uh, we'll try to. Dig a little bit deeper into this recruiting class because we really haven't talked about this three-man recruiting class much. No, and I have seen uh, Travis Hines and the transfer portal is open and it's busy. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> it bu- yes. And it's going to get busier right? Um, yes. after after this coming week. So there's going to be some opportunities and some one and doneers and some guys just looking to get to a new spot. So, uh, And we know Iowa State's certainly uh, willing to take those guys. All right, a couple of minutes on baseball uh, from yesterday, Trent. And we gotta we got to talk about the Cubs because they are the team here, mm-hmm. uh, whether we want to or not it was a comedy of errors it was just i mean javier baez um really bad defensively last night anthony rizzo two errors on one play nice. and you never see that kicked the ball uh he, he, he looked at second base well, he took his eye off the ball is what he did fumbled it picked it up tried to make a you know an underhand toss sideways toss tossed it almost into the front row so there's another error there Baez with a couple Bryant with a fielding error um there was one more I'm missing um Zagunas well there was six of them yeah Zagunas so that would be the six and then there was balls dropping between players Javier Baez running with his back to the uh back to the infield calling off the left fielder 
I mean, Zaguna's got to take charge there, man. That's his ball. That's and I get that Javi Baez loves to see himself on Sports Center. We see him a million mm-hmm. times, and he's got this kind. He's got this in his game. But that one got away, and that was a big, big look. I get it. I'm, it maybe sounds like I'm overreacting. It's Game Four, right? It is. There's, it is. It's game, there's 158 of them to go. Slow so down. you got to slow your roll a little bit. But don't forget what was said. Joe Madden's got to get off to a good start this year. Absolutely, they're gonna. They're, they didn't extend Joe Madden. Are they tight? I don't know. They like their guy. This is a veteran now team. Guys that have been there a long time and played for Joe Madden. They don't want to see the guy that took him to the promised land be shown the door. And apparently, that's out there. We liked everything that we heard from this team as a whole throughout the spring. They most teams say the right thing, but I bought in. Yeah. I was I was really believing in in what they said and what they were talking about that this was a team that figured it out. Yeah. Last year what was it the forty one run losses that they had the one nothing games one that they or had. yes uh, they got shot out or or one run losses they yes. they were going to bounce back from that the offense was going to come together it wasn't well, Bryant be... was hurt and yes yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I bought in I bought in mm-hmm. but I think you might be onto something here the tightness of this team because six errors in a game. The bullpen looks terrible again. You Darvish stunk. He, you believed in that one. That was one that I didn't want to go on that hill. You well, went on start, that. No, I was on the Tyler Chatwood bandwagon. Well, and that was. I mean, I'm completely off that. Don't I, we have a caller? Well, well, Scott Cass, were you job shadowing me today? What are you I doing? I am actually, and uh, I moved your car, had it washed. <laughs> Did you uh, look at that? Yeah, very nice. Fill it up. Well. Uh, yeah, with the price of gas now, but you know, there's always tomorrow. I hey, listen. Um, you're right. It is only game four, <laughs> right? And and uh, in listening to you and uh, uh, your little pal here, Trent, um, the thing with the Cubs is everybody's going to have a bad game. And yeah, they've be- had a bad start. But boy, look at the preseason. <laughs> and that's what we, that's what our optimism was based on yes. for crying. Yeah, that was bad last night. I, I get what it. about Milwaukee though? I mean, they're a great, fantastic Cardinals likewise. They had a big win yesterday. A huge win yesterday. I'm telling you this I'm, division's going to be But please lay off my cubbies. Would yeah. you please get to remember it took us 100 and what? To, 108 108 years to get back to uh so we don't have to talk about goats and and some guy in the you know outfield interrupting you. a ball. Who did he interrupt from catching that ball? Do you remember? Yeah, Alex Gonzalez. There you go. Shortstop. Thank you. Well, he's the no. one that made the error. No, no it was no, Alou. No, it was a, a, no. Alou, right? Gonzalez with the error. Yeah, yeah. Alou yeah. in the field. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was Bartman. Alou. Yeah, yep. great Bartman. I saw him at the airport once. You really did? Yeah, absolutely. And I was I I wanted to go up and say, you know what? It's going to be okay. Just move. Yeah, leave him alone. Keep moving. Yeah. Keep moving. He but doesn't I, want to be bothered. Nobody wants to be bothered at an airport. No. You wouldn't even talk to me at the airport. I remember call. that. Yeah. But That's I didn't okay. recognize you. You're growing your beard. <laughs> so what are you doing now that you don't have wrestling? Um, well, the, I mean, I know you do, but you don't have your show on Saturday morning. Yeah, just got back from doing the NCAAs. Had a great time there. Should and, they move those calendar-wise? Um, yeah. Uh, it should be a one-semester sport. should be from Jan 1 for primary. In other words, you can have some tournaments in uh, November, December, if you wish. Mm-hmm. And that's how you get your teams warmed up. But I think the best thing we can do for 
college sports and in particular college wrestling is move it from Jan one until after basketball. You have to. I mean, it's sh- lost. It's always going to be a shadow. There's no question. And, and and having been living in your shadow all these years, I understand. <laughs> Nothing can grow. Look at Trent Condon. He's still struggling. Yeah, but he's in the door, and I'm not going to be here for, uh, for you know five more years, and it's going to be his show. This is. Uh, are you recording any of this? Because no, this we're on. We're in commercial. Break. Yeah, this is commercial yeah. break. Yeah, we're. This is just us going back and forth. You didn't know that. Uh, Chris Level coming up next. He's the radio analyst for Texas Tech. Grateful to get Chris. He's going to join us when we come back. We're going to talk some hockey with Joe O'Donnell uh, from the Iowa Wild. Zuba Mahente in hour number two. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station 1460.org. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO. Welcome back. As promised, we're going to talk some Texas Tech, Michigan State. We're down to four. One Big 12 team remaining. They're Texas Tech. We've had Chris Level on throughout the regular season when Texas Tech gets set to collide with Iowa State in both football and basketball. We're grateful uh, that he found some time for us in what must be a very busy week. Uh, Chris, the analyst for men's basketball and football. He's Eric Heft, essentially, and he joins us. Chris, uh, thanks for coming on. How are you, Chris Level? What was that like uh, following the conclusion of the Gonzaga game? Take us into the locker room for a second. Well, it's just surreal. Uh, I I think that... um... You know, and, and I think that the interesting thing about this is while they're very excited, th- this is a head coach that expected to be here, and uh, and he keeps reminding everybody, you know, we're not supposed to be here, like you know, because they keep being picked against and are the underdog or whatever. But uh, you know, I mean, it's just been a, a great run, and really, they've controlled most of these games. That's the surprising part is there, there's been no upset. That there's been nothing fluky about uh, them getting to Minneapolis here, and they, they've knocked off a one seed, a two seed, a mm. six seed, and haven't needed a, a last second shot. The, the, the drama, though, in Anaheim at the end of the Gonzaga game was that, that there was some iconic stuff there. Uh, the block by Tariq Owen. Unbelievable. It, it is. And then the shots by Morrow uh, at the end of the game, the two threes under four minutes. I mean, Matt Mooney's ability to get to the rim, and then Jarrett, Jarrett Culver has just been so consistent throughout this whole tournament. But it, it's just, this is a, uh, sports can be really cruel for those of us that follow it, you know, and it, 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 you hurt when you lose, or man, your teams are, are struggling. But boy, they can, uh, they can be awfully fun, too, and, uh, and rewarding. And right now, this is uh, very pure, and a lot of good stories with these kids and uh, the head coach that just uh, kind of buying in. It's, it's a lot of fun right now. Chris, take us to Anaheim. The three other teams that were there had been there the year previous, though in a different arena, playing in the L.A. area for the West Regional Semifinals and Final with Michigan-Gonzaga there beforehand. Fan base-wise, how well did Texas Tech travel to that in comparison? And Texas Tech's not known as a basketball school. Obviously, their first ever Final Four here. How many people are going to be making that long drive up I-35 to Minneapolis or trying to fly into Minneapolis here for the weekend? Yeah, you know, I think in, in Anaheim, they didn't have that many uh, there. I mean, they, they sold all their allotment for, for the Thursday night game versus Michigan. Uh, obviously, when you have uh, all four schools represented in that doubleheader that night, you know, everybody's got, you know, didn't have that many tickets. But I think Saturday, you know, they probably had around 4,000 folks there. And Gonzaga had more, but uh, the Tech fans uh, certainly uh, much louder uh, in that game toward the end. And that's been a thing with this team all season long. You know, we went to Austin. We went to Waco. We went to Fort Worth. We went to the Garden and played Duke. I mean, there, mm-hmm. there's, 
several thousand people in these venues on in road games, and that's what uh, Coach Beard has really tapped into. Uh, kind of a you know, I don't want to say sleeping giant or anything, but he's really tapped into to this fan base that's been starved in, in many ways, and uh, they are supporting uh, this basketball program. And, and I expect it, that there's probably a little bit of a benefit when you're the very first team uh, that you know the weekend of the Elite Eight that punches your ticket to the Final Four because you get a, a head start on everybody as far as planning and and all that. But I the, the Tech fan base is treating this like okay, once in a lifetime opportunity. Don't mm. care what it costs. Get me in the building, uh, and, and it's it, it, and how beards might operate. We're sitting there after the team meal uh, on on Saturday after after we'd won the game, and we're back at the hotel and we're eating. We're trying to get back to the room to get our stuff together and get it on the bus. And me and him are walking down the hallway, and he goes, "Man, can you believe this?" And I said, "No, I can't." He goes, "Do you think we'll have anybody up there?" And, and I'm like, "I'm like, yeah, coach. I, I think you're going to have plenty of people up there. And that's just the way he operates. He's just always operating out of fear." Uh, and, and, and fearful that uh, you know they won't have an advantage, they won't have fans there, and all that stuff. That's what makes it so good. You know, uh, the the path to where you're at right now is, is really something I think maybe gets overlooked a little bit now that we're at this point. But you go back to the round of 32, and Buffalo was a was a legitimate team. There's no question about you beat them by 20. Then Michigan, who Trent and I, you know, watch night in and night out in the Big Ten. We're not watching Big 12. We're watching Big Ten, and this Michigan team is absolutely legit amongst their place at the top of the Big Ten. You crushed them by just, by, you know, what, 19, 20 points, whatever it was. Gonzaga, this is uh, this is one of the heavy heads, one of the one seeds. And, um, yeah, there was some drama at the end, but uh, in the end you won by six. This is a Texas Tech team that's destroying teams to get to this point. Yeah, I've won their tournament games by an average of 15 points. Um, the, yeah, the only one that was close was the Gonzaga one. And that that's, uh, you know, after, after seeing all these games up close and from my vantage point, I mean, Gonzaga is the best team that this uh, that this team had played. I mean, just just a nightmare to try to match up with and to play defense against. But uh, Texas Tech started to figure it out. But that that Michigan game will be a bit of an afterthought years from now, in my opinion, just because you you beat them so badly. Yes. And at some point, they just John Beeline sits back in his chair with about eight minutes to go. His legs are crossed. His his, his hands are behind his head. He just had no answer and. Mm. Texas Tech uh, really got, got, I think, them to doubt themselves. And, and then the three started going up. They're mostly contested. And, you know, I mean, 0 for 18 until the walk-on kid hits one with about 40 seconds to go when, when the game was obviously over at that point. Uh, they go 1 of 19 from behind the arc. And that's just, uh, you know, everybody comes away. And then Buffalo clearly said the same thing. But everybody comes away from playing Texas Tech. We had an off night. We just couldn't get the shots <laughs> to fall. It was just one of those nights. But, yeah, you're doing it to everybody. Indeed you are. Uh, Chris Level uh, joining us, uh, Texas Tech radio analyst. Well, I want to ask about, uh, I'm not thinking there was disappointment. We saw Duke and Texas Tech earlier this year, and that was really, to me, when the national media and people throughout the Big 12 that didn't really have a gauge on this Texas Tech team, considering what they lost the year before, we knew defense was going to be a calling card because they played really well against Duke. When Duke was picked off by Michigan State in the dramatic fashion that what that it was, was there disappointment? And this can sound crazy, not getting to see Duke again, or was it a sigh of relief? I think they were disappointed. I think they wanted them again. You know, Beard Beard sat there in front of those guys after that game in the locker room, and he told them. And 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 I, you know, he's had a lot of kind of almost like eye roll moments where I'm like, there's no way he. He sits up here and he talks about coaching on a Monday night in April. He talks about winning conference championships. He talks about 
you know, winning in Lawrence, Kansas, but all this stuff that's not supposed to happen, and, and yet all of it's come true. Uh, the Monday night part has it yet, but but he told them after that game in, in the Garden, we will see these guys again in the Final Four. And Duke was the one that couldn't uphold, uphold right. the end of the bargain. I mean, and, and when we were all sitting there talking about that Saturday after the game, that he had mentioned that, I'm like, he, he, he's close to being right. But, uh, but again, Michigan State knocked him off, and I, I think you just look at that and say, you know, you don't really like necessarily have, have a sigh of relief in any way. You knew you, you were going to, you know, be dealing with a tough, tough game on Saturday, no matter who won that game. But yeah, they, they wanted Duke again. There's no doubt about that. And they would have been more than uh, prepared and, and ready for it. But, uh, Michigan State is no easy task. That's yeah, for sure. Chris Beard, yeah, Chris Beard uses Michigan State and Tom Izzo as an example. And he has all year long behind the scenes of what he wants his program to be and how he wants his kids to play. And so I think it'll be fascinating to see kind of a mirror image of, of what he wants them to be up close and personal on Saturday in the semifinal. So uh, as we go through here and you look at this matchup with Michigan State, what gives you the most concern when you look at Sparty and what they throw out there? Not not just Izzo and obviously the only of the coaches that has experience here at the Final Four, but, but man-to-man, how they match up. What causes you uh, maybe a couple sleepless lights, nights before you get to Minneapolis? Yeah, I think their ability to rebound, you know, mm-hmm. and it just goes with the toughness. I mean, they're averaging over about 40 boards a game and, you know, about rebounding teams by about eight or nine a game. But that, that's, that's a problem. Uh, I think that, you know, Tariq and Norman Sodiase are going to have to play, you know, mm-hmm. through their best games. You, you deal with the bulk uh, of Michigan State. And, uh, you know, Michigan State, though, that they, you know, with the, the loss of Josh Langford earlier in the year, that they're not as deep. He's going with about seven guys, mm-hmm. uh, is Coach Izzo. And so that, that you know, it, it'll be played at a slow pace. It'll be interesting to see how the game is called. How, how, how physical do they allow this game to be played? Because either team gets, gets one of their bigs or, or, you know, in foul trouble, then it's going to adjust how the thing is played. But, you know, how, how does Michigan State defend Culver and how does Texas Tech defend Cassius Winston? I mean, that, that's the, the kind of the games within the games. Because if Cassius Winston's allowed to, maneuver around and, and facilitate like he has, uh, what, 18 assists in, in the regional combined in the two games uh, for, for, for Winston. I mean, he, if he's allowed to do that, Michigan State will be very, very difficult to beat. But if, if Culver's allowed to, to operate and, and get his shots off and uh, be a little more efficient than he has been, then uh, look out. Hmm. Chris, uh, Tariq Owens, I know that, you know, it's, it's hard to pinpoint one play as, you know, the difference in a basketball game. But that block, and you referenced it earlier, pe- people are going to remember that as part of this tournament. That'll be on the one shining moment for sure. We can count on seeing that on Monday night. Uh, what an unbelievable play and the wherewithal to find a teammate before his feet hit the ground. Just an amazing, amazing performance. He, uh, Beard tells, uh, Tariq all the time. He gives him a hard time about, uh, something Bill Russell said years and years ago about shot blockers are sometimes very, very selfish and they, they want to block it and then throw it, you know, way out of bounds and you get the ooh and off ah from the crowd. And he finally told me, he's like, you finally listened to me on what Bill said all those years about, you know, just, just block it and then you can save it. You know, you don't have to like, you know, throw it into the third row, but. That was just elite athleticism and awareness. I mean, that's just not necessarily stuff that you coach. Tariq just very smart right there, and, and you have to be long and athletic to be able to pull that off. But just an unbelievable play. And then you turn right around, and then they, they commit the technical foul uh, right there. You know, and they, they put one of the best free throw shooters in the country on the on the free throw line, and Davide Moretti. Mm-hmm. And that that kind of right there, those couple of plays right there, really was what won you the game. So uh, as you look at Beard and his future 
Texas is his alma mater. Uh, there's been conversations I know about that. But in the here and now, UCLA a concern at all. I know he's got the contract extension. He makes plenty of money. Money's not anything. But long term, how, how nervous should Texas Tech fans and how nervous are they about his viability staying in Lubbock? You know, and you can't talk in absolutes here. Uh, I think Chris is very smart from a fit standpoint. He understands what, what a good fit he is in Lubbock and his daughters are two hours away in, in Abilene, Texas. Um, they are very important to him, which is exactly why it was a no-brainer for him to leave UNLV and, and come back. He's going to get talked to about, obviously, extending his contract again and get another raise. I think they just broke ground on the $30 million basketball-only facility that will be ready in about a mm-hmm. year that he helped to raise the money for. So, he, And he's got a wonderful recruiting class on paper. So there's a lot. It would take a lot to get him away. And, and again, he's he's one of those guys that he's not necessarily motivated by money. It's about fit and style, and he's a blue-collar guy. I mean, that's just how he is. I mean, he's a JUCO guy. He's a, I've coached in the ABA. I've coached in McMurray and Angelo State, these schools that people have never heard of. And so that's why, you know, I think, and he's been in Lubbock for so many years. It's just a good fit. And I think Kirby realizes that too. So, you know, they'll, they'll talk shortly after this thing is over, but I just don't know what, what, what else would, uh, you know, cause I think tech is prepared to, to really match, you know, from a money standpoint. And so that won't be a reason why he'd leave. Uh, that's good news. I hope he stays in the Big 12. I really do. It's better when we have good coaches throughout the Big 12, and he certainly is on uh, that uh, on top of that list. While you're carrying the flag for the Big 12, Chris Level, thank you very much for giving Des Moines a few minutes here today. Enjoy the experience. It's uh, once in a lifetime, perhaps. Uh, thank you, Chris Level. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks, fellas. You guys keep hope alive, and hopefully we can keep this thing going. Fingers crossed, my friend. Thank you, Chris. Talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Good. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Chris Level, uh, a radio analyst for uh, Texas Tech. You like him on Sun Saturday night, late game? You'll be there? I'm on Michigan State. Are you? Little, Numbers what? A little higher than I thought, though. It was, I saw three, three and a halfs out there. I probably grabbed the points I mean, because, again, it's another coin flip game. Mm-hmm. And very well could come down to the final possession like we saw mm-hmm. literally Every game of the Elite Eight, I think this one too. So if it's three and a half, yeah, I'll grab those three and a half. I do think Michigan State, though, will win. And I hope Michigan State wins for me. Oh, bracket. Selfishly. Selfishly. Gotcha, I get this part of it. That's why we fill out these black brackets. I'm rooting for Texas Tech. You are. I I am. I want the Big 12 to get to the final. New blood. Mm -hmm. Izzo's been there. Um, Like, I have nothing but respect for the program. Love that team. Really do. I mean, how can you not like Winston, right? He's just a... Just one of those guys. McQuaid seemingly hits. How about the dunking on people? Dunking on people <laughs> and the contorting his body back oh. away from the basket the other we day. We didn't even talk about that yesterday. We didn't. <laughs> Goins, how smart he's been. Yes. They don't have a bench, Trent. They go, essentially, mm-hmm. they play six guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were seven guys, but the one guy, I, don't, I can't remember who it was, uh, played three minutes. Um, so it's it's a six man rotation. They're not deep. Chris's point about how they're going to call it. You know, if, uh, Michigan State's going to play physical. That's his basketball. Um, man, I can't wait for this one. I really can. If I could only watch one, this would be the one. Yeah, yeah. Just because of you know, Big Ten, Big Twelve. Right? Yeah, yeah. Proximity and everything mm-hmm. else. So we know these teams. We know these right. teams incredibly well. Do you have a feeling in the first game that we'll see Auburn against Virginia? I no. I I know that. Auburn's guards are unbelievable. Virginia's yeah. defense is phenomenal. Two best defensive teams in the tournament, Texas Tech and Virginia. No and doubt. they are. Yeah. Um, I guess if I had to, I'm expecting Virginia and Texas Tech to play Monday night. Virginia, Texas Tech. That the Virginia story stays alive. Yep. Uh, Texas Tech, 
I don't know if this is once in a lifetime for them. I don't. I mean, Kansas is going to be back. You know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is Texas Tech. You know. But Beard's got a great recruiting class. He does. And he has developed now two guys. Yes. Out of the top. Right. That weren't top 100 players in the first round to lottery picks. I know it. And uh, kids are going to notice that. That doesn't happen. No. We don't see that happen often in college basketball. Kids will notice this around the yes. country, Trent Condon. All right, we're going to take a timeout. We're going to pass the puck around with Joe O'Donnell. The Wild begin their final home stretch of the regular season. Uh, they've got another week. It's, it's weird. The NHL ends on Sunday. The AHL goes another week past that before they get into their playoffs. But it is what it is. We'll talk hockey with uh, Joe O'Donnell, the voice of the Iowa Wild. He's coming up next. Zuma Mahente in hour number two. And Trent and I are going to take a, our first stab at the NHL. NFL win totals, Uh, not all of them, but we'll throw a couple of them out there that we like or either we think this team was undervalued or overvalued. We'll do that uh, coming out of the, uh, well, it's at the 11 o'clock hour. We're here until noon. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Miller and Condon here until noon. Uh, Joe O'Donnell needs two minutes. Trent needs two minutes. Only got like ten. So we'll talk uh, eight when we get him. The uh, Wild do play tonight. We've got the game, correct? We must have it tonight. Yes, we have the game. Uh, t- uh, Tucson is in town. The uh, We'll play tonight and tomorrow against Tucson. Are they Six the Roadrunners? They are the Roadrunners. How about you that? flaunting your American Hockey League I don't knowledge. know why that's stuck. It, isn't it crazy how just some random thing? How would I know that Tucson's the Roadrunners? Yeah, I don't know how you'd know. I wouldn't have got it. Now, I would have got who their parent club is, as, as you would, I would assume. Is it the Coyotes? It is. Man, we need them in the playoffs. Oh, for your bet? Yeah. The, so we went back. When was that? September, October did you make those plays? I think it was September. I mean, it was early. And the, and you asked me to give you a couple of long shots. Yeah. And, and who did I give you? Arizona. Arizona. And they've got a chance. Uh, I think it was Vegas to not make the playoffs. Yeah, they're they're going to make it. Yeah, they're in. But that was the biggest one was Phoenix. And then I took a shot on your Winnipeg Jets to win it all. You did? Yeah. I did. Well, I would have, too. Good pr- it was... I think it was 14 to 1, something like that. They are in first place in their division. They're mm-hmm. the fourth best team in their division right now. Yes. St. Louis Blues yeah. are the best team in the Central. I think Dallas might be the second best. I think Nashville and the Jets are probably together on that next level. But yeah, I mean, the Jets could get home ice. If they beat the Minnesota Wild tonight, Minnesota's eliminated. Oh, okay. Done. Can't make the playoffs. If the Jets win tonight, they're coming off a back-to-backer. They were in Chicago last night. I get nobody cares, but it's hockey season, um, and it's the Minnesota Wild. It so is. We'll, yeah, but it's, I think they're – like, they should beat Winnipeg tonight. They've had their number all year, so I think they'll stay alive at least for a couple more days mm-hmm. before they get eliminated. But Colorado is in. They're going to make it. Colorado's playing well. It's a good story. It's a really good story. They're very young, and they've got Ottawa's first – pick in a trade, and Ottawa's going to have the first overall pick. The oh, wow. kids are going to get some American by the name of Hughes. I'm telling you, USA Hockey has closed the gap big time. In fact, they're on, I think, on even terms. Wow. And it pains me to say it, because that's our sport, damn it. We don't have anything else. Give us hockey. Leave us hockey. Joe O'Donnell momentarily. Again, Tucson tonight, Tucson tomorrow, and then 
they hit the road before coming home to finish uh, with a weekend series next weekend, so next Friday and Saturday. But it's playoff hunt, no doubt about that. And uh, what looked as though it was a given a couple of weeks ago, it's tightening up in the uh, playoff race. Joe Donnell is the voice of the Wild. He joins us. Joe, Trent, Ken, thanks for coming on. Things are tightening up in the Central. Oh, Kenny. Come on, man. Let's stay positive here. <laughs> well, um, you're in third place. Right now you guys would uh, be uh, on the road to begin the playoffs, but you would be in. But the Admirals, the Stars, and even Manitoba uh, have, has a legitimate chance to yeah, get into this thing. a lot of work to be done, Joe. I know. Six games left. You know, if the Wild can win four, they'll pretty much clinch on their own. They don't need any help. Anything less than that might need some help, depending on how the teams behind them fare. Uh, when we talked, you know, a week or ten days ago and even, you know, three weeks ago, um, it was a much more pretty situation. You know, it was almost a ten-point lead for, for the last playoff spot, meaning the cushion Iowa had. Now you're looking at a three-point cushion. <laughs> so that's mm-hmm. a good or a bad weekend um, with, with two points getting you a win. So we'll see how the Wild handle it. Uh, one of the things I was just chatting with uh, head coach Tim Army literally minutes ago, and one of the things he said, Kenny and Trent, is that, he wants the team to just reset a little bit, forget about the losing streak, forget about the next game, just focus on tonight, try and have some fun. It's hard when you're not finding success to not get frustrated, to try and stay positive, to try and have some fun out there because you're not getting the bounces. You feel like everything's ending up in the back of your net. So it'll be tough. We'll see how the leadership group of this team handles the adversity, trying to pull some of the younger guys through it right now. But the Wild need this win tonight against the Tucson Roadrunners at 7 o'clock, about as bad as the hockey team could possibly need a win. Now, again, it's not a Game 7. Their season's not over. But they control their own destiny. The only way to keep controlling your own destiny is start to win. And five in a row in the lost column has been a tough stretch for this team. they got to get it back tonight. Joe, help me out here. As I was looking at the standings this morning, why did the teams in the Pacific Division – why they only played 62, 63 games where most everybody else has played 70? Is it just... They're only going to play 68 when the year's over. That huh. entire division plays fewer games. That's something that those NHL teams, yeah. um, you know, Anaheim, San Diego, uh, Edmonton, Bakersfield, Calgary, Stockton, you name it, you know, the NHL teams, when mm-hmm. they formed the Pacific Division, um, they went to the league and said, we don't want to play 76 games. Jeez. We want more practice time for our players. We want less back-to-backs and mm-hmm. less three games in three days and... Somehow they won that argument with the league that, hey, we're going to sort of do our own thing. So that division is is um, an outlier, if you will. They'll play fewer games. They play themselves a ton. Um, and so that's why you'll see that disparity in games played between the Central Division, where the Wild play, and the Pacific Division, where sort of those West Coast teams are based. Hmm. I learned something right here, boys. I really did. Thank you for that, Trent. I had no idea, Joe. I mean, you would think that the, the league would want everybody... Look, they're, they're, they're all running for the same prize. You would think they would running, want them running on the same course. Are you trying to get me in trouble here? <laughs> <laughs> well, it is rare. I mean, this is really different. Listen, to me, it's... To me, it's an absolute... Uh, Competitive disadvantage for yeah. everybody else. Yes, and then you look at a team like Iowa that has the worst travel in the league because, you know, the shortest bus ride for the Wilds four and almost a half hours to Rockford. The longest is seven hours plus. You mm-hmm. find me another team in the league that has bus travel like that. Um, the Wilds just came off of West Coast, you know, two games in Tucson, two in Stockton, where they didn't have a lot of success. It kind of started this funk for them. Um, those are long travel days. There was four games in like six days in that span, all on the road. Time changes, tra- you know, uh, time zone changes. Then you got to come back and play Grand Rapids after flying, you know, across the country basically all day Monday to play Grand Rapids last Tuesday. So it's tough. I mean, it, 
reality is this is not a fair league. The teams out east are usually in their beds by the end of the night. Right. They have a two-hour bus ride to go from, you know, mm-hmm. Wilkesbury Scranton to Lehigh, for example. Iowa has none of that. They get into town 3, 4 in the morning sometimes. They get home at 3.30, 4.30 in the morning. Uh, it's not fair, but at the end of the day, they're all fighting for the same Calder Cup, and nobody's going to feel sorry for the Iowa Wild. That's for damn sure. No, and then you guys are in every single time zone, whereas the teams in the East spend the majority of the time in yep. one time zone, and I don't care what anybody says. Time zone, flipping back and forth, changing back and forth, it takes a toll on the body, Joe. Yep. Yeah, and, and honestly, I mean, I blogged about it yesterday on our website, is that the last three years, including this one, the Wild have hit this sort of weird late March skid. Mm-hmm. I don't have an answer for it, but some of it's got to be just the wear and tear of now you're hitting game 70, and the pressure is on, and the teams are better, uh, meaning you know tightening up for playoff season, and the Wild, for whatever reason, have hit a funk the last couple of years during this stretch. Now, as Colton Beck told me this morning after uh, he got done warming up here for the game tonight, he said, you know, it's April now. I thought that was a great way to put it. So if the late March struggles have plagued this team for a couple of years, for whatever the reason, it's April, and they got a chance to get back in the win column tonight. Uh, the big club, Minnesota, signed a kid by the name of Nico Doom, Strum. Is Sturm. that how you say it? Nico Sturm. Nico Sturm, who's up for the Hobie Baker, which is in hockey is the Heisman Trophy, for you yep. people that don't understand. It's, uh, it's a huge award. Um, might he, because Minnesota, as you know, Joe, they may be eliminated playoff-wise tonight if the Jets beat them. I don't think that they will, but that potential's out there. What is the potential of Sturm making his way down here for maybe the final week of the regular season and then into the playoffs? Will we see him? It's a good question. He's not eligible. Wow. Um, Guys that are eligible, though, are Luke Cunning, Jordan Greenway, and Ryan Donato. Because at the sort of the deadline that the league has, teams will do paper transactions. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll send down a couple of players to their minor league team, then quickly recall them just so that on paper they were on the Wild roster on gotcha. the deadline day. Yep. Um, and so the three players that would be eligible for the Wild playoff wise are Greenway, Cunning, and Donato. And that would be one heck of a boot. Boy, I'll say. I mean, you can play all three together on the line. They've been playing together in the NHL for yep. crying out loud during stretches this year. So uh, that would be huge for Iowa. They could be eligible. You know, if Minnesota wraps up, I think, this weekend, uh, that would mean that the Wild could possibly get those three players in time for their final three games. And that those could be crucial games, though, if the playoffs haven't been clinched yet. Joe, the parent club up in Minnesota, they're five points back of a playoff spot with three games to play. It's going to be incredibly difficult. Yep. If this end does end in a non-playoff year, how big of a disappointment is that? I know the fan base is huge up there, but expectations coming into the year, is this about where most people expected them? I think so, actually, because you know they changed general managers going mm-hmm. into this year. And the ownership group and Craig Leopold, I think, I think in my opinion and from the stuff I read, was that you know, he was okay with Paul Fenton putting his eyes on this team and what they had and making whatever changes he wanted to get better for the long term. I don't think Craig Leopold expected a Stanley Cup this year. I don't want to speak for the owner, but I think when you change GMs and you tell the GM it's your team now, you put your fingerprints on it, and we started to see that. Paul Fenton gave the team about 40, 50 games and started to make some changes, and the trade deadline came. They made more changes. They try to get younger. They try to, you know, get some more cal- uh, salary cap space for the future. Um, so I think what you're seeing now is...